to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Today, I have a very special guest with me, author Kathleen Kent. She came to my attention when she wrote a book called The Dime about a detective, Betty Rizik, who was really a kick-ass, strong character, but very flawed. Um, she's come out with her se- – that book was just wildly successful. Um, her, the s- second Detective Betty book is called The Burn, and I had a chance to read it. Um, the author, Kathleen Kent, is here with me today, and the book launches tomorrow. So let's hear about, let's hear about Detective Betty, and welcome to the show, Kathleen. Thank you so much, Pam. I'm thrilled to be with you. Oh, you are so sweet. You know, I was reading uh, the little bit of bio that you have on yourself, and it said that you read epic historic novels when you were younger, um, that you loved Dickens and Poe and James Michener. Do you know, yeah. when I when I was 19, I was doing... Um, I was doing a practicum for physical therapy, which is what I used to do, and James Michener was one of my patients. And oh, I knew he, I knew he was coming in for for care, and so the next day I brought one of his books in so he could sign it for me, and that's like uh, a beloved treasure before I, you know, before I became such a big reader. So you and I loved the same kind of big heartland stories. I love that. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I, I grew up in Texas and spent a lot of time in small town, Texas towns and reading these epic historic novels was kind of an escape for me. It was a window into the wider world. And I remember reading James Michener's The Source and just being completely fascinated with the idea of the development of human beings. And it was kind of an anthropological study and historical study. And uh, I thought that's what really fired my imagination when I was, when I was young were those those big, big narrative uh, novels. And you like Noah Hawley and you like, Oh, Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. One of the best books ever written. I swear to God it is. We like the same kind of books, So I'm so glad. And of course you have to love Bluebird, Bluebird. If you're a reader at all, um, she's won so many accolades for that book. She has. And you know, I, I am a huge fan of hers. Uh, her second book, Heaven My Home, or the, the second yes. in the series, I think it's second in the series, is also it is. wonderful. Um, what's exciting about being a crime writer and being a female crime writer is that it used to be a boys' club. You know, it was yes. five men, four men, the hard boiled police procedural. And there's so right. many women uh, who are writing suspense thrillers, police procedurals. And like you yes. said, they're, they're very hard-boiled and kick-ass. And, uh, and, yes. and Attica Locke is 
a whole new foray for a different voice, a different experience. Uh, and she's oh, a yes. Texas writer, too. Yes, so I, I really am a big fan of hers. Yes. Oh, yeah, so am I. She's just magnificent. And we need more wonderful writers like Attica, uh, like Kelly Garrett. And, you know, I could go, tr- yes. I could go on and on and on. Um, because seeing uh, their point of views with their characters, I think, brings a richness to readers that we otherwise wouldn't have. Yes, I, I completely know? agree. Um, the, for the Edgar Award ceremony a couple of years ago, I, I was thrilled that I was I was one of the nominees. Attica Locke won that year. Right. Uh, but oh, I think out of the five nominees, three of us were women. And yep. then Abir Mukherjee, who writes a kind of historical thriller in colonial India, is, is another wider perspective that kind of gives a, a totally different a viewpoint of the police procedural from a completely different, um, completely different background, and his characters yes. are, are are from a different uh, different time and place. So I, I'm just I was thrilled to see this expanding universe of different voices that are coming into the crime and thriller thriller genre. I th- you're absolutely right. I think that um, we. A lot of readers feel very, um, oh, insulated maybe. They're going to read the same stories by the same authors. They don't want to take a step outside their their safety zone. And I recognize that. But being a big reader myself, I read about 400 books a year. So um, wow. I like reading all the, you know, because there, there are police in India. There are police in Texas. There are police in Argentina. Right. There are police everywhere. You want to know if someone's writing a procedural, a police procedural, you know, how are they different? And, and not only that, but how are they the same? So, right. Um, right. you know. So let's talk about Detective Betty Rizik because she is a marvelous character. Oh, oh, she's just oh, such a great character. I love her. Tell, she's so different from the other books that you've written too. Um, you right. know, I was try, I was looking to see. Okay, where are the similarities here? What what am I missing? Or you know, what's happening? You have some very different types of books, but I am very attracted to Doctor to Detective Betty. First, with the dime. Hmm. So, where did she come from? Uh, well, it was kind of um, it was kind of one of these unexpected challenges that you get sometimes. Um, I had written three works of historical fiction, and uh, someone that I knew was putting together an anthology of contemporary crime fiction set in Dallas. It was there was a whole series of books published by Akashic. Um, books yes. that uh, noir, uh, Brooklyn noir, yes. Chicago noir. Yeah, they noir, just came out with noir Alabama. Noir. Yeah, they just did right. noir and Alabama now. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. And they were doing Dallas noir. So the editor called me up and he said, "I really like your work, but you do historical fiction. Um, have you ever thought about writing crime?" And I, I love reading crime. A long time, especially uh, British thrillers. I, I, I love it, but I'd never oh. tried my hand at it until he said, um, you know, he said, well, 
do you do you have anything that that might work for this? It has to be set in Dallas and has to be crime uh, related. And like any good friction fiction writer, I lied and said yes, of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> How much time? Of course, of course I do. How much time do I have? <laughs> and uh, he said, well, you got a couple of weeks. So I called up um, a cousin of mine who who was at that time active duty undercover detective, and uh-huh. I got some story ideas from him. I wrote it, and I really thought it would be a one-off, but the uh, the reception of, of the story in Dallas Noir uh, was very positive, and the editor thought, you know, this is really unusual. Betty's different. Most of the popular um, thrillers, crime procedurals, take place in the big cities like New York, Boston, L.A., yes. but very few stories have been set in Dallas, and the perception of Dallas is that it's, you know, it's a very wealthy city, very pretty, but we have the same types of crime and underbelly of crime, um, gangs and drugs and violence that, and lots of guns that every other city has. And so I thought, you know, there's a niche here that I might be able to fill. And even though it was, it was crime, it was a very different from my first three works of historical fiction, which are pretty classic historical works of literature right the um the crime was was a big departure but it was but it was a challenge and i found that i really enjoyed it betty rizik is different but it's the same i guess the recurring theme through all of the books have been very strong women who are put in difficult situations um the first book, Heretic's Daughter, that I wrote was a was a true account of my nine times great grandmother, Martha Carrier, who was hanged as a witch in Salem in sixteen ninety two. And when I asked my grandmother, who I got a lot of the the stories of the Carrier family from, you know, was Martha Carrier really a witch? And she said, Sweetheart, there are no such things as witches, just ferocious women. And I love the that. idea of, of being challenged as a woman and a lot of my main female characters are really ferocious women. And so even though Detective Betty is very different from a 17th century woman who was hanged as a witch, they, ha- they have some commonalities. And that is that they, um, they fall outside of polite society and they're, they're very courageous. They're very um, tenacious in what they perceive as the right thing to do. And so I think that was the common thread, but of course, the pacing and, and the narrative style was, was very different, and it took me, it took me a while to, to shift gears, but I found I really enjoyed writing crime fiction. So your, your contribution to the anthology, was it a short story, like 3,000 words or something, about that amount? Yeah. Three to 5,000? Yeah. Was, I think it was a 5,000-word short story, and it was called Coincidences Can Kill You. And I got the I title it. from my cousin when I was interviewing, and he said, you know, uh, some, especially homicide detectives will say there are no such things as coincidences, but he right. said as a 30-year veteran – they're always coincidences. Some are really good and fortuitous. And he said, some of them are bad and they can get you killed. So that, that became the title of go. the short story. And I just expanded the idea. I, in writing, um, when I start out with my main female character, I like to give her as much headwind as possible. So mm-hmm. for example, in the heretic's daughter, 
Martha Carrier was a very outspoken woman who was considered by many people to be to be a witch because of her forceful character. Um, I wrote The Outcast, which was took place in Texas after the Civil War, who, um, of a woman named Lucinda Carter who was an epileptic uh, prostitute. And with Betty, um, she starts off uh, in Dallas. She's a Yankee you know, from Brooklyn. She's Mm -hmm. about six feet tall with bright red hair, very physically dynamic. She's a lesbian. So, and, and in a male dominated police force. So you can't have much more headwind than starting. Well, even if she were not all those things, it's the male dominated police force that it really is a biggie too. That, I mean, that right there is enough obstacle yet you've, you've given her, uh, a different dynamic than most uh, female police detectives are. So I like that. And um, I like her presence just on the look of the cover. Um, covers are, yeah. I think, really important. And, you know, both of these covers for Detective Betty Rizik are very striking. And as a matter of fact, when I was mm. going through the catalogs for your publisher, I was immediately drawn to that cover. And when I read the blurb Thank on you. it, I said, oh, that's, I want, I want this book immediately. And, you know, Alyssa was great, sent it right away. And, it, you know, and she knows that yeah. if I'm interested in someone like that, I'm most likely going to ask for an interview. So I'm glad you were available and thank you for the book. It was fabulous. It was really great. Oh, I'm so glad. You know, covers are, are very important and oftentimes they are, um, you know, covers are, that's, that's in the realm of, of marketing and, and the people who kind of have an idea of what's going to grab people's eyes. But I loved the cover immediately. They're, they're very yes. similar. They're very cinematic. And they just, yes, they of, are. That to me is what Betty looks like. You know, that's, uh, I think they really har- captured it. Back, it kind of harkens back to like a Clint Eastwood standing with his gun out, you know, saying, <laughs> make my bit. day or something. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a very, it's a very dynamic cover. And you're right. In this day and age, when we have a thumbnail of book covers flashing before us and, and we're looking for something to read, that it stands out like that is very, very important. Um, will you please Thank you. do a, you're welcome. Can you please tell listeners a little bit about Betty's backstory from the dime and then bring them forward into the burn. Uh, Betty Rizik um, grew up in Brooklyn. She's from a family of cops. Her father's a cop, her uh, uncle, her father's brother's a cop, her uh, brother's a cop. Uh, But there's a lot of corruption in the family. And Betty decides early on that, she's uh there's there's been so much pain and anguish over the over the corruption in the Brooklyn police force in general that she makes it her um mission in life to be the to be the honest cop and um the moral ambiguities that an undercover detective has to face causes a lot of friction and makes i think for really interesting narrative that that conflict and friction between yes. her own uh, indomitable will to to be an honest cop and the reality of what's going on around her, especially in narcotics. She's an undercover narcotics right. detective, and she moves. Um, she's been with the NYPD for close to ten years when she moves to Dallas with her her partner, her domestic partner, and she joins the Dallas Police Department. 
And um, she, I, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time talking to police women. Uh, most of them were retired, which made it easier for them to, to talk more to openly talk. about the work that they did. Um, and rel- comparatively speaking, the Dallas Police Department still has percentage-wise – fewer women, even though we now have a female police chief. Um, mm-hmm. There are many fewer women. Um, it's The majority is Caucasian. And so I knew that she was going to have uh, difficulties within the police department. But also, you know, there's a cultural difference. Now, I, I grew up in Texas, but um, in late 70s, moved to New York City and lived and worked in New York for, for close to 20 years. And hmm. then coming back to Texas, I I could see there was a lot that was familiar, but then there was a lot that was to my eyes. I felt like an outsider, you know. Right. I, I'd forgotten the cultural shifts, and I tried to, without being too obvious about the the politics of you know gender politics, and um, just politics in general. I tried to showcase how difficult it is for a woman to negotiate her way through all of these avenues of police work and especially undercover police work. Um, right. Um, she, she has a lot of um, uh, people that are broken that figure very prominently in her life. But one of the most important figures in her life was her uncle Benny, her father's brother, who was an honest cop. Uh, was with homicide in uh, with the NYPD, and he was her pole star. He was kind of her guiding light, and he dies just before she moves to Texas. But she uh, she's a runner, and when she runs, she hears his voice and she kind of channels him, and he is there um, as a as a presence for her, as kind of uh, he can he is a forewarning of certain events that are going to happen. So there's just a glimmer, just a touch of maybe um, the supernatural, but it's, but it's, a, it's painted with a very fine wash. It's not, it's not heavy handed. Um, right. But I, but I thought that it would just be interesting to, as, as a way for her to, to negotiate her way through these difficulties that the voice of uncle Benny speaks to her. And in the dime, uh, she runs afoul of some very violent um, cartel members, and she gets involved or is kidnapped by a cult, a meth-dealing cult called the Family. And um, without revealing any any plot devices here, uh, that's kind of the the the, uh, the pinnacle of of the story is her trying to escape from this cult, and um, then the burn is sort of. In the background, the, the cult leader Evangeline Roy is sort of in the background. We, she, Betty deals with right. a whole other cartel enforcer in the burn, but we know that Evangeline at some point is going to come back. So Evangeline kind of represented was the embodiment of a lot of things that were unsavory <laughs> about Texas culture. Um, sure. You know, the violence the the illegal drugs the in the sort of religious fanaticism and and mm-hmm. so she became kind of the the representative of all of that so in the burn she's just come 
you know, trying still to emotionally recover from all of this, the craziness with the family. And not only is she back working as a detective, but something isn't right with Jackie. So Jackie's struggling along with her own issues that are kind of parallel to what Betty is working on. And I, I found that nexus very interesting um, because it happens so often in real life that a lot of us really have to step back to see it. So it was a, it was a, it was a right. really interesting way that you brought Jackie in with her issues, what was going on with her. So Right, right. Jackie being her Jackie being her domestic partner and they've been together for a long time. But as you said, Betty has become has become really unhinged by her experiences being kidnapped and she's seriously injured and she has she's spent some time uh, on leave away from the force. When she comes back into active duty, she hasn't dealt with the emotional trauma and it affects her relationship with, with Jackie. And I think, you know, um, I think the, the significant others of soldiers, of police officers, of firefighters, you know, there's a, there's a cost to the active participant, but there's also a cost to the significant other. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you're not was, kidding. So there was that. Yeah. And and Betty's forced into therapy, which she's not happy about. Um, but it's it's her working her way through. Uh, I examined a lot or explored a lot of the ways in which police work uh, is psychically damaging. To, to the officers involved. And, and if you're a woman or if you're a person of color, um, it, it's, it's, um, it's, even, it's even more so. It's, it's exaggerated. You, it, yeah. you bring up such a great point about that. I, I have to tell you, a friend of mine was a crime journalist. He worked a very hard crime beat in Miami and in Fort Lauderdale. And he said, you know, people don't understand when you're looking at deaths scenes and the things that people do to each other, you have to find a release. Now I'm a certified victim advocate. Um, I, I mm. have worked off, you know, off and on for shelters and with the state attorney's office and with a couple of police departments working on domestic violence cases. And sometimes, you know, you see what happens in homicides, domestic violence with the with not the victim, but the family members and the children. And I have yes, to tell you, right. even as an advocate, when you're on a crime scene, you really have to know how to compartmentalize what you're seeing and not let it seep into your psyche. I think this is a brilliant tale about post-traumatic stress disorder because Trust me, I'm a crime survivor myself. You can recover from the physical stuff, but it takes a while to recover from the emotional stuff. That's, you know, the pain. And it always, unless you're a psychopath or a sociopath, you will be affected by the violence. Oh, absolutely. You can't help but be. Uh, First responders, and and in that, I I include my journalist friends, not paparazzi, but, you know, my true journalist friends who are on crime scenes and are investigating, you know, cartels and and corruption and everything else. I think that they also should be first response. It's just a fantastic book. It feels very authentic to me. Um, I know, obviously, police women or 
female police officers, I guess I should say, and um, and police officers of color, some of the finest people that I've had to work with. Some are not so nice. The, the same with – it's the same. You know, you can't pick and choose your culture or your religion or your whiteness right. or your darkness. It, there just are some good and some not so good. But to me, it was right. an absolute representation of what's real in the world. Um, are you on – Thank you. You're welcome. Um, your book releases tomorrow. Um, yeah. It releases wide, and there is a pre-order right now. So I want everyone to know you can find this book, The Burn, by Kathleen Kent in brick and mortar and on your favorite online stores. But if I were you, I'd get my pre-order in right now because it's going to be a <laughs> blowout. When when this book hits the shelves, it's going to be really great. It is a very, very well-done book. Thank you. And I'm, I'm about halfway through the third book. So hopefully this will be a series that catches on. You know, I've been pleased. It's, it's from a woman's perspective, but I've been so yes. pleased that so many, I mean, I have equally as many uh, male readers who've read it and, and really um, loved it, thought that it, it struck all the right chords for them as well, because it's action driven. But, you know, I think in the first book, Betty only fires her gun once. It's not a gun centric car chase kind of procedural there's a lot of strategizing um and networking that goes into this i'm sure that if you talk to your relative who um who will say most cops in their lifetime don't fire their guns i know people think that you know when you you hear about shootouts and everything it really isn't that common um and there are some very very righteous shoots and some that are not but it is very unusual for police officers to fire the gun. I have cops in the highest regard. They saved my life, literally saved my life, and um, mm. and sent the bad guy to prison. So I'm very happy. You know, I'm I'm a big supporter of all law enforcement officers and first responders, by the way. Would you please yeah. tell people where they can find you on the web, Kathleen? Yes. Uh, my, my website is KathleenKent.com. Um, you can. There's a link there to email me through my through my website. I answer all of my emails usually within a day or two, and I'm always thrilled to hear from writers. I, I what gives me the biggest thrill is if someone reads a book and says to me, "This book touched me um, for these reasons." And I mean, that's that's why I that's why I do this. It's it's that connection, and it has. I'm profoundly grateful for it. And I, I would love to hear from, from readers if they enjoy the dime and the burn. I would love to hear from them. Well, I want to thank you so much for being with me. My goodness, it has just been an honor talking to you. I love the book. I can't recommend it enough. And by the way, um, Kathleen is available for um, book clubs. You know, you she will Skype. She'll go to a book club if it's close in her area. It's really important because a lot of authors – you know, have a difficult time doing that, but you really enjoy doing that, don't you? I love it. I'm just the girl who can't say no. <laughs> and if well, I can't I, get there in I person, <laughs> I do. I do Skype and or on the phone. And I, um, I just I love. I mean, book clubs are the modern literary salon, and that's how they really books are, are promoted and talked about, and they gain long life through through these literary circles and so I've done I've done hundreds of them and I really enjoy it so if someone's so interested glad. I would love to talk to them 
And by the way, for those of you who, who do not know what Kathleen looks like and you're thinking, how in the world can she drive, you know, write this badass cop, go and take a look <laughs> at her beautiful picture. She's this petite little Aww. blonde lady. She's, and you think, no way she wouldn't hurt, you know, she'd, she'd like pick up a roach and throw it out of her house, never mind stomp on it. But, you know. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, people who have read my historical fiction stuff and then read the crime stuff have said to me, and you look like such a nice person, girl, <laughs> and I, I am. I guess she's my, Betty is sort of my, my, my she does the she's things, says ego. the things that, yeah. uh, she is my alter ego, for sure, for she certain. Really she's a ferocious woman, for sure. She, I, and I love that. Thank you so much for being with me, Kathleen. I hope that when your next book comes out, you'll come back and talk to me again. I'd love to have you oh, on the video. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. This was a delight. Thank you. Oh, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Kathleen Kent. The new book is The Burn. It's available tomorrow wide in brick and mortar and online stores. Please go and get it. Kathleen, have a lovely evening and, th- and good luck with your book. Thank you so much. Hope to talk to you soon. You will. All righty. Bye-bye. And thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for mom and dad. I'll see you later. (laughs) 